Hello, and welcome back to the Ebb and Flow podcast. Over the next six weeks, I'll be sharing videos on the topics of holistic health and Hasidic wisdom that I've been doing with the renowned author, counselor, lecturer, and philosopher, Rabbi Manis Friedman. A year ago, Rabbi Manis Friedman was a guest on my podcast, episode number 53, where we discussed his first book published back in 1990, Doesn't Anybody Blush Anymore? The episode is entitled, Modesty, Intimacy, Sex, and Getting Things Out of the Way. Shortly after, I had the joy to meet him for dinner, where we first thought about the series, so it excites me to begin to finally share these with you in hope that you receive valuable and personable insights on your own health and wellness journey. Here's also a gentle reminder that if you're new to this show, or if you haven't seen it yet, a great place to start is the recent YouTube video or podcast trailer entitled Ebb and Flow, Holistic Hasidic Health. In that video or audio, you will hear all about this new season, who's it for, my newsletter that comes out every Friday, and my coaching services. Please leave a review about the show and today's guest on Apple Podcasts and head over to SolomonEzra.com or follow me on Instagram at King underscore Solomon8 and Facebook Solomon Ezra Berezin to learn more. Make sure to do something actionable with your learnings and be sure to let us know all about it via message or social media. Hello, hello. What is up? my fellow, my friend, my, my mentor, Rabbi. Today in our third installment, so, so far we talked about, we defined health. We talked a little bit about mindsets. And now I had, as um, talking about meditation, mindfulness, and other tools to build one's awareness of our own Egypt to break free. So in a sense, you know, refining, it's actually quite, um, uh, in alignment with Abraham was known for digging wells. And it talks about how Jacob uh, or Yitzchak was the one to redig the wells. But there was a cool insight I was reading that I was like, trying to understand for some time what it really meant. He was like redigging these wells. But he was talking about how the, the, how the Philistines blocked up Abraham's wells, which was really the with materialism and that things. So if we look at you know, using, using meditation, mindfulness, and different tools to help us build our awareness, we can become aware of where is our own living waters, wells covered up with, with dirt and whatnot. So then, because once we're aware of it, then we can begin to dig the wells and, and return to that um, uh, living waters, you know, focusing on improving our character traits as Yitzchak, um, characterized and portrayed and embodied for us. Um, and specifically those tools like the meditation, journaling, mindfulness, because um, that's what helps build uh, that awareness. Otherwise, you know, we don't see, we're not always aware of what we're doing or how we act or react to different things. So we need these exercises, these tools to zoom out in a sense and observe uh, what's going on. Interesting. But, you know, the Torah makes it very clear that Yitzchak did not dig the wells himself. Redig. Oh, well, he had his servants. Avde Yitzchak. Avde Yitzchak. So what are the avodim? What are the, the servants? The servants are thought, speech, and action. Mm-hmm. 
Right? Thought is the servant to intelligence. Speech is the, the servant to emotions. When you speak, you get emotional. And uh, so it's action. as much as they're as much as their garments for the soul, they're also servants. Right. Uh-huh. Correct, correct. So part of getting to the well has to include speaking and doing, not just thinking. Yeah. And even the Alter Rebbe talks about that in this week's Tanya, the different letters. But with but the, the thinking, the meditation is what cultivates the wings, the love and the awe of Hashem. But it also, if we're if we're not aware of our servants or our garments, how can we begin to refine those character traits? Yeah, so thinking is just one of the three. Mm-hmm. So part of part of becoming more self-aware and healthier is um, using your speech and your actions. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't get well just sitting in one place and thinking your way to health. Well, in yeah. I was just going to add, if if you're thinking, well, that's how we often, you know, Einstein says no problem can be solved by the same consciousness that created it. And actually, with different studies on the brain, the, when we're in a state of stress and we're trying to think our way out of our problem, we're actually making our brain worse. So by with the meditation and the uh, tools like that to build awareness, it's actually not so much thinking, but getting beyond thinking and observing our thinking. Which you also do with thought. Well, I wouldn't necessarily... Why do you say that? You should also do with the, th- the th- thinker of the thoughts? Uh, observing yourself is in thought. How else do you observe? Well, ah, but the in but without the judgment, mm. that's where the equanimity comes in. The Baal Shem Tov teaches about equanimity, which is a, you can observe those thoughts, which you're, you all agree with is a level of self thinking, but without the judgment, because that then then we become the witness, and can observe. Oh, I've been begin thinking this type of way as opposed to if i'm thinking more about this thought from the same level of mind then i'm just going to create more of that same lower right Right. so it's a healthier way of thinking Uh but also interestingly the evid has to know who his master is (laughs) it's evid yitzchak avde yitzchak because there were also Avdei Avimelech. Everybody has their servants, the good and the bad. So when you set out to become healthy, what is your, what is commanding you to do that? Who's, who is your master? Avdei Yitzchak means Yitzchak was Yirash Shamayim. So Avdei Yitzchak 
were the thoughts, the speech, and the actions that foster Yerashamayim. So you got to know where you're going in order to really be healthy. In other words, health can't be your goal. Right. The goal is to be able to live up to God's expectation. Mm -hmm. To do that, you have to be healthy. But you can't forget the goal. Otherwise, you're running in circles. Yeah. You make yourself healthy to not be unhealthy. Then what? Well, then you're not unhealthy. And you, yeah. Well, do you think it's do you think it would be similar to like um what did the sages say about um, when it comes to doing mitzvahs, the action is greater than the intention. And somebody obviously you want to do it out of joy and love, but even if somebody starts doing it out of fear, eventually it will turn into the proper way of doing it. So uh, maybe it could be similar in that also, if somebody is, you know, the more and more somebody goes and looks to get after health, healthy, it would naturally lead them to do more, you know, to, to live more in alignment with what Hashem has for them, or even beyond. So let's spell that out. Yeah. What does that mean, more in alignment with Hashem? Less about me. Me. I need to be healthy so that I can get past me, not become a healthy me. Yeah. Healthy doesn't mean I am the focus and I will be perfect. That's not healthy. That's where all illness begins. Yeah. Healthy means I am free of my own handicaps and my own restrictions that I, the me, places on me. So what's going to happen? As I get healthier, I am more available to others. Others become more essential to me. I am beyond myself. But a selfish pursuit of health is unhealthy. I want to be healthy because I don't like being unhealthy. So, it's a dead end street. So I think we talked about this definition of health. Who is healthy and what is healthy? When the body does not interfere with the mind so that the mind can pursue the purpose for which we exist, now you're healthy. How does that complement also with uh, how it says in time in the era of Mashiach, uh, the mind, the soul will be listening to the body? Even the body will be pursuing yeah. the purpose for which it exists. So, as we as we uh, progress into today's topic, I have a question actually because when it comes to understanding how our brain works, and you know, there's this kind there's a, a practice of, you know, saying affirmations. People often rehearse, you know, I am strong, I am healthy. And it actually shows positive effects because when I declare I am this, 
it's it shows the effects and the more and more you can rehearse that the person will perceive well i am healthy and i like then they'll perceive that way is that in any way could it be unhealthy i think you're we're getting to the to the notion of positive thinking yeah positive thinking is always good mm -hmm. It's, it's effective. It's powerful. I was, I was talking to this older person and uh, they forgot something. They couldn't remember. And they said, my memory's fine. My memory's fine. Instead of saying, oh yeah, I can't remember anything. I'm losing my mind. Every time they forgot something, they Re affirmed and I went, no my, my memory is fine that's awesome it's a healthy attitude so yes positive thinking is always positive mm -hmm. even if it's a little arrogant or self-centered or whatever but it's positive and that's much better than negative so affirmations are very the miracle of the affirmation is I say I'm okay, even though I know I'm not, or I think I'm not. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm okay, but I'm gonna say I'm okay, and that helps too. So you don't That's even exactly. have to believe what you're saying. Well, not at first. Eventually, you'll get to yeah, believe it. Exactly. But it's effective even when you don't believe it. Because there are, because uh, because how powerful our thoughts are. How powerful the positive the thoughts are negative. Why? What do you mean? Because in your mind you're saying I'm not doing well. Well, that's the body, but but because the body, you know, the body in a sense has been programmed. You know, how often we've we've thought so much. So if somebody thinks and feels like they're unhealthy, it's going to feel uncomfortable when they start saying I am healthy because of however many years of whenever the first experience they had that convinced them when they adopted or and concluded that I'm not healthy because maybe somebody didn't tell them that they're healthy or whatever the case may be. But they are convinced that they're not healthy, which is why they're saying the affirmations. <laughs> if they were healthy, they wouldn't need the affirmations, right? <clears throat> so yeah. So the power of positive words, even if you don't mean it. Like smiling, even though you're in a bad mood. The act will improve your mood. Yeah. The words will improve your thinking. Mm -hmm. So you're working your way from the bottom up. Because words and actions are below thought. And that's the, that's the approach of Yitzchak, from the bottom up. Yes, that is Yerash Shamayim. So, when, when you're trying to put yourself in a healthier frame of mind, the Eved can do it for you. See, that, that, that's the beauty of it. I like that. Yitzchak doesn't have to do the digging. You can dig to the living waters, which is your your real 
neshama, you can do it through the avodim, through the evid. So if the words are positive and the actions are positive, and even the thinking is positive, despite the fact that you don't believe it, you're not yet convinced. Mm. Once you're convinced, you're healthy. Here, you're trying to get healthy, which means you're not yet healthy. So the garments can actually move the soul in a better, to a better place. It's because that uh, it reminds me of what is it the the word for horse is similar to the word for word or something of the like we say every day and how you're the in a, in a level the thought or the speech is is a dissension of a connection but it can also take you further like you're expressing as your servant because it can dig the well for you. That is amazing. That is powerful. And it all complements how Egypt, the word for Egypt, it's Raim, comes from, or has the, the root Metsar, which is boundaries. Restrictions. So servants, the garments, that we're talking about what are some tools that you and we've discussed a little bit now use to to make those servants work for you to dig the wells for you and to break out of your own egypt well that's the thing that the Deborah would always emphasize that as you're trying to work out your your trust your love your faith don't stop doing. Doing the mitzvah will bring the right impulses and the right uh, thoughts and beliefs. The doing, which means starting at the bottom, has an effect on the higher levels. Um, there's some famous song about I'll remember in a minute. And by the way, song also has this amazing effect. You're not in a good mood. You're pessimistic. You're, you're feeling defeated. And you listen to a song and all of a sudden you're not defeated. What happened? You didn't rethink. You, you, you didn't discover new facts. Nothing really changed in your life. You heard a song. And all of a sudden, life is good. So these are all servants. If you let them serve you, they will. So a person says, you know, I have doubts, I'm angry at God, so I'm not going to do the mitzvah. Until I get past the anger, or until I work out my my belief. Now, doing the mitzvah will work out your belief <laughs> and will get you past the anger. Yeah. So never wait until everything is right 
before you let your servants do their work. So the act of the mitzvah is not hypocritical. It's taking medicine when you need it. But you don't enjoy the medicine. It's not your favorite food. Yeah. But it'll bring you to a healthier place where you can enjoy the real food. Yeah. And you'll and it'll improve your your feeling, your emotion, which will then give birth to more positive thoughts and ideas to to get out of whatever mitzrayim or problem somebody feels they're in. That's the thing when we're if we're feeling angry like you you were just saying as an example and we feel stuck we can't see the way out of it if we're in our same emotions of anger or whatever it is so if we can look at oh i gotta do a i can go do a mitzvah i can go you know buy somebody maybe a cup of coffee or whatever the case may be now it's getting out of getting out of my own way and living as if I'm already free from whatever is I is perceived the perceived problem. No matter how crazy you are, continue to act sane. That will help a lot. Do you do you recommend intermittent fasting? I do. How does that what does that do to the person? Aside from losing weight, well, your print. Well, you begin to become aware of how often you, you know, begin to think about foods and begin to question: Am I really hungry, or the different hormone, or is it just the hormonal imbalance regulated? And so. Really, I would say the, the benefit, the, one of the key benefits is the mental clarity. So how does fasting produce mental clarity? So I, you know, eating a little bit, part of it also goes into the time, the time of which we eat is also quite important. Uh, sometimes even more so than what is eating. But if you eat dinner, say a little bit earlier and, you know, fast for, I think generally it's recommended 16 hours, but I also read somewhere that it's like 12 to 16 hours. You can get a really great effect. 16 is just where the optimal changes are. Of course, I can't say I'm a complete expert in intermittent fasting, but based on what I've studied and the body begins to take now and burn from the uh, previous meals and food that was consumed as opposed to um you know somebody just eats breakfast right away in the morning so instead by that happening the what is in the the gut also has a direct correlation to your brain and your thinking. And that's information and how it gets sent to the brain and to thinking, depending on what the person eats. But instead, if they're 
eating a little bit less or, or not eating for this time restricted amount of time, their body is burning the excess batter from the food before. And so the mind, the mind can actually begin to clear up. So the excess food that's sitting in your stomach is interfering with your mind's function? I, I don't know if I would say interfering, but it depend, It also depends on what, what kinds of food and how it was stored. But it can interfere with the mind? One of, the, one of the rules, one of the laws of nature with which God created the world was that everything that exists will have an effect on its surrounding and be affected by its surrounding. Like Mashpia and Mekabel. It will be affected and it will have an effect. Mm-hmm. When you're eating... Are you being mashpia or are you being makabal? Well, meaning to say, is food giving you life or are you putting the food to its proper use? Who's the recipient here and who is the actor? Are you acting on the food or is the food acting on you? I think we touched a little bit on this last time, but it's a little bit of both. So, if you're needy of the food, if you're begging the food to make you happy, it will not. It will make you unhealthy. You are becoming subservient. You're becoming a petitioner. Mm -hmm. You're begging food to give you life. That can't work. Because you already have more life than the food. Whereas if you're in control, if you're eating because it's the thing you choose to do at this particular time, this particular food, then you can extract from the food the healthiest parts of it. Whereas if you're groveling and begging the food, The food is now the master. Exactly. And that is not healthy. So it's so with the intermittent fasting, it begins to burn the stores from before, depending on whatever we were eating. So also, by that, yeah. also, intermittent fasting puts you in control. I happen to be still doing it right now. <laughs> right. So I'll decide when I eat, and I decide what I eat, Mm-hmm. and I decide how I eat, I'm in charge, and I can extract from the food what I need. But if the food is in charge, it'll do to me whatever it wants to do. Mm-hmm. So the toxins in the food, the unhealthy parts of the food, the, uh, the inedible, the indigestible parts of the food are going to cause chaos. Right. And I can't stop it because... I'm the weakling here. I'm the nebuch, you know. I'm, beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> if you're begging the food, then you got to take whatever the food gives you and you cannot choose. Mm-hmm. 
but but if you're in charge, then your 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 automatic system will take what it wants and leave what it doesn't want. So it's a much it's a much healthier position in your relationship with the food. That is, that is a big benefit that comes from fasting. Yeah. Or simply by disciplining your eating. As long as you're un, in control, you'll get the best of the food, not the worst. When you give up control to the food, it does what it wants to do, and that's not good news. So, for example, if you have two foods on the table, there's one you really like, and there's one that, you know, not so exciting. Eat the one that's not so exciting. Because the one that's very exciting has control over you. Depends how you're, what, um, it depends on what level the exciting is for the person. Because at, at some level also, a healthy person may actually get excited more from the, let's say, salad on the table than the hamburger. May get more pleasure from it. Well, and not just pleasure, but to also actual nutrition. Nutrition. Yes, yes. But the excitement to eat is coming from the food, not from you. So the food that is very exciting, it's got too much power over you. You're telling me my smoothie has too much power over me? Depends what the smoothie is. Your favorite smoothie. Well, you don't know what my favorite smoothie is. I don't know, but whatever it is, it has a lot of power. <clears throat> well, it's also quite nutritious and amazing. Yeah. Actually, it does. I wouldn't say it has power because if I don't have it, I'm okay too. Hmm. It's just amazing and I feel great. Right. So you're drinking it by conviction, not by appetite. Correct. That's, I choose. That's, that's the healthy way. Eat by conviction, not by taste buds. Transform so eat, the taste buds. Eat a little less than you have on the plate, just to show who's in charge. I, I, I feel like we're on the same page, but I would also like one thing I encourage my clients is, you know, if they want, you know, to have, they love having you know, a cookie in the morning with their coffee, you can find a healthy alternative instead of just completely getting away from it. You know, especially at first, like it's, it's, not easy for everybody to just be like, I'm in control. I'm not going to, you know, eat this. And then, you know, that can also cause a lot of um, just discomfort. Hmm, that's why I'm saying it's not don't eat. Yeah. Because that's going to, that's not going to work, first of all. <laughs> But you have two cookies, the one that you most prefer and the one that's not, eat the one that is not so exciting. So you're not starving yourself, but you're staying in control. Yeah. And find a healthy one. Well, the one you, you like less is healthier. 
the food you crave the most, you're probably allergic to. Isn't that true? Like you could build up some actual uh, sensitivity? You're probably allergic to it. Interesting. A person is always eating that same particular food. I bet you you're allergic to it. What, what do you mean? I'm not allergic to my smoothie. <laughs> no, you're, you're eating out I'm of just, conviction. I'm just, I'm just playing around. Yeah. <clears throat> That's why Hasidim always said, the food you want the most, you know, the famous story with the Shmuel Munkis. There was this meat, and everybody got so excited, he dumped it out. He and said it's not kosher, right? And then it turned out that it wasn't kosher. Yeah. How did he know it wasn't kosher? It was too much excitement. I did, yeah. So when you have a, a very strong, uh, a very strong attraction to a certain food, it's probably an allergen. You're probably allergic to it. It's an unhealthy attraction. And it's like literally true. And that's why every now and then, break your habit. Hmm. Try a different food for a while. Because if you just stick to the same food all the time, you're probably allergic to it. It's probably harming you. So you say a, a healthy cookie, you mean like, a gluten-free cookie, or or cooked with a different flour. You know, some cookies, um, healthy grains. Yeah, healthier grains could be just with flour or other kind of mm -hmm. unnecessary things. So you could find like an organic, all-natural, you know, cookie right. maybe one with almond flour, whatever the case may be. So I think that on some psychic level, the reason that's healthier is because you don't like it as much. It doesn't have that much power over you. But it's also the reframe in that, oh, this is healthier from it. I can have my, I can eat, I can have, have my cake and eat it too, as the saying goes. Which puts you in the driver's seat. Exactly. And as long as you're in the driver's seat, it's healthier. So healthy eating means I decide, I choose, I'm in charge. Unhealthy eating is the food is in charge. It decides what you're going to eat, how much you're going to eat, when you're going to yes. eat, how you're going to eat. Now then, then you're the slave to the food and it's never healthy. Yeah. Well, then here's a good, uh, important um, area to discuss maybe techniques because we've all experienced situations where we are, let's just say, for lack of better words, riled up. And I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, think about what, what Solomon and, and Rabbi Manus Friedman are talking about. Oh, I'm the master. Give me just, I'm just going to eat. I don't care about that right now. So what tool in those situations, how have you uh, practiced, you know, building that awareness and realizing, okay, I'm just emotional right now. I'm feeling just emotional right now. Um, this is going to pass. I'm not going to act heavily on these emotions and go for the food that I'm super attracted to. That maybe it's just some taking some deep breaths or going for a walk, if possible, whatever. 
you can actually eat it. Just don't be a slave to it. And that's hard, you know, if, yeah. if you're eating the food that is most attractive to you and still staying in charge, that's, that's a real talent. That's a real... Well, I think that's like, what we're all going for. Like when Mashiach comes, we'll be able to do that. When we and we begin living in that now, though, that's part of living in Mashiach consciousness now. But it's not easy. So I think there there are different impulses, which are, are not really impressive or noble. Like there's the appetite. There's the depression. Feeling pity for yourself. There's also arrogance mm -hmm. and there's pride and you have to use some of those impulses against the others. So for example, when you're feeling, ah, I'm just going to eat this because I'm a loser anyway, what's the difference? Well then bring your arrogance. Not, you know, don't, don't try to become a tzaddik at that moment. No, become arrogant. Say, why don't you call me? <laughs> Did you call me a loser? Yeah. Where's your arrogance? Why do you let? How does your arrogance let you say that to yourself without complaining? So remember that you're also arrogant. And to say no to the food right now would feed your arrogance. So we're not asking you to be a tzaddik and to be spiritual and to, you know, have have mesiras nefesh. No. Be arrogant. What, are you going to stoop to the level of the food? Where's your pride? So just say, look, uh, I may be a loser, but I'm a human being. I'm not a rabbit. I don't have to eat. Yeah. I'll decide. I'll choose. Like uh, a minute from now. Okay, the minute's up. <laughs> but you're you're practicing a little self-respect. Yeah. That's yeah. easier than saying, oh, I really shouldn't do this. Yeah. Because you're not in a very noble mood when, when you're slightly depressed and you want food to calm you. And to... They're holding so, that compassion, but even if, even for those times that we, we don't catch ourselves, in those moments, being able to look back on it and be, this is where if you know, if I had known, if I had known better, I would have done better. Yep. Part of that awareness story. helps, even if not immediately. But once you understand that you're you're being enslaved, even even if you continue to give in, it's not the same anymore. What? Sorry. You give it a little less, or you enjoy it a little less, which means you're not going to do it as much next time. So every awareness, what you feed your mind, always has an effect. Not necessarily a powerful home run effect, but it has an effect. Mm -hmm. So if you bear it in mind, when you're in a good mood, like after you finish eating the junk food and you say, ah, oh, that was, 
That was not good. You weakened it. Yeah. You're gaining control. There's one other thing, and this is something we need to be careful about. Having what to eat is kind of like a blessing and a reward. Before you sit down to eat, you ask yourself, what did I do to deserve this meal? Interesting. I was I was actually just about to comment on that one exercise I encourage people to do, especially at the beginning, is having like a food journal. So it could be, that's a great question to add to it. You know, how am I feeling and what am I thinking as I'm entering this meal and afterwards as well? Yeah. What did I do to deserve this? Mm-hmm. It's God's world, it's God's food, it's God's product, God's creation. What, you're just going to help yourself? <laughs> With what justification? You all make a bracha. Okay, so you're stealing the food politely. Because <laughs> you don't really deserve it. it that, that could be a little negative and depressing. So you got to be careful with it. But at least to some degree, we have to like keep a balance. I take from God, what do I give back? You can't just be a glutton. You have to feel like you did something to deserve the food, or you're going to do something to deserve the food after you eat. You'll ennoble the eating by doing something worthwhile. But it can't be just take. There also has to be a give. So you stop and think. So now I'm going to take some more food from God, from the earth, from the food shelf. What am I giving in return? What have I given? You should feel I mean, ideally, you should feel like I deserve a meal. But you got to do something to deserve it. So, for example, you work hard, right? You put in a hard day work. Yeah. And now you're sitting down. You're really hungry. You've worked up an appetite <clears throat> because you've been productive. You've been working. It's going to be a healthier food than if you just eat because you have nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. In a sense, you've earned it by working hard. And you feel justified, you feel comfortable eating, consuming the food. But when you're eating out of boredom or you're eating out of, out of laziness, in the back of your mind, you know you don't deserve this food. And that ruins everything, including your appetite. (laughs) So in the olden days, people ate the worst foods. They ate too much of it. And they were healthy. Because they came in from the fields, having put in a lot of heavy labor. They did the heavy lifting. And they came home and they felt entitled to the food. And they were. People who work less should eat less. They haven't earned it. 
it's interesting. I think it'll, it'll help me and hopefully other people with um, really understanding with what maybe what you mean by, you know, what did I do? How did I deserve this? You know, as somebody that also used to have quite frequent you know, negative thoughts, usually we are worthy and, and have deserved eating a certain meal, but we are, you know, if we were to ask ourselves that question, we may not have, we not we may not be open to really seeing well the different ways that actually I am, you know, I have deserved this meal because somebody feels undeserving. So maybe it's more so not what did I do deserve this? Because that question could evoke, uh, you know, some kind of negative response because our, our brain answers questions, but maybe more so, you know, how, how did I, how did I deserve this meal or what great thing did I do to deserve this meal today? Yeah, that's why I say it's a little bit dangerous, this whole approach. So you got you to gotta be able to separate things. I do deserve to live. Everybody deserves to live. Yeah. If you were created, then obviously you're, you're needed. So in general, in the big picture, yes, you deserve. But this meal, do you deserve this meal? Or do you deserve to eat enough to stay alive? But you've had a meal today. This is your second. So this meal you deserve? Probably not. It's not even a question. It's, it's simply an observation. No, we're not that special that we can claim to deserve each meal. Yeah, we deserve to stay alive. So... A little, a little mindfulness, like you're, you're, to eat mindfully and thoughtfully is not only a matter of, is this good for me? Mm -hmm. Mindful means, what, what is my license? What, what gives me the right to consume this food? Always. It's a general question. That's why God had to tell Adam, of all the trees in the garden you may eat. Otherwise he wouldn't. Or he's just gonna help himself to food that's not his. I think this is a, a powerful question also to apply, like you know, sometimes we wanna just go out to eat at a restaurant or pick up food. Sometimes we act on that impulse as well and could instead save that twenty bucks or whatever it may be. And do what? Cook your, cook your own food? But in just the whole approach to eating yeah. in general. What gives us the right to consume other beings? You know, people are very sensitive about meat. You know, they're vegetarian. What gives you the right to eat an animal? Good question. What gives you the right to eat a vegetable? What gives it a right to eat a mineral? You didn't create it. So what are you doing drinking water? It's not your water. You just it. help yourself because you're in the mood? Oh, that's, that's shoplifting. <laughs> you know, that joke about the atheist who said to God, 
we used to need you because we didn't have technology. But now that we have technology, we don't need you anymore because anything you can do, we can do. So God says, can you make a man out of dust? And he said, yes, we have the technology. So God says, let me see, make a man out of dust. So he starts to gather up some dust and God says to him, oh, no, 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 not my dust. So before you make a man out of dust, make some dust. Yeah. Uh, no, we can't do that. <laughs> so a person says, you know, I have to live, so so I got to eat. So yeah, sure. Your food, not my food. <laughs> so what gives us a right to even have a drink of water? It's a good question. Yeah. The instinct is, hey, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. Mm -hmm. That's it. That gives you the right to take what isn't yours, that you didn't create. How is that? Arrogant assumption. Well, what do you want me to do, starve? Yeah. <laughs> if it's not your food, what? you have no option. You know, it's like the whole story with Les Miserables, right? He stole a loaf of bread because, yeah. the, so should he go to jail or not? See, that's the big question in the book. The big debate between <clears throat> Javert and, and uh, Jean Valjean. He says, I, I needed the food. And Javert says, it wasn't yours. No, so who's right? Now, it may be that in, to some degree, Jean Valjean is justified. But he's just barely squeaking by. You know, like, don't make it so so simple that, yeah, if I'm hungry, I take food. If I'm, if I'm thirsty, I take water. No, no, no. No, you're, you're, you're pushing the envelope over there. It's not your food and it's not your water. That's mindful. That's the foundation of mindfulness when it comes to food. That's why you have to make a bracha like getting permission. So that's a, it reminds me of that, that line, Hillam, I, for, I forgot, but how earth, earth God gave to man. But there was something that was commented about with a bracha, then we become the partners. Yep. That's a good thought to have, and it's not it's not depressing. Yeah. It's not like I don't deserve. It's like you don't deserve. You didn't create it. It's not you're guilty, you're bad, and you should be punished. No. <laughs> I'm not being punished if I can't steal. It's not a punishment. I just can't take your food. I can't take what is not mine. It's not because I'm bad. There was an answer. The answer is God said to eat. That's why I deserve this. No, that's why you're allowed 
That's why I'm allowed to eat this. Mm -hmm. But why do why do I deserve the meal I'm about to have after this recording? Ah, that's already a more refined question. <laughs> yes, God lets you eat. That means you have to have a steak. That means you can have two steaks. He lets you eat to stay alive. Partying, oh, that you have to deserve. <laughs> or at least you know, feel like you deserve. Because then you eat with a clear conscience and it's a much healthier eating. Powerful. Well, I think really tackled and approached some really great uh, beginning to dive into some actionable tools into to build our own awareness and get of get out of our own uh, limitations and boundaries so we can become aware more of our our thoughts speech and actions so we can be, we can turn them into our servants not what serve us the way that we approach our food to the way we approach our work our relationships because that's really what uh, those exercises whether it's journaling, meditating, or doing these mindful activities so we can build awareness and notice, oh, maybe I was going after this. I, maybe when I sit down to eat, normally I just sit down really quick and just stuff my face. But if we include these or uh, practice these activities, I can actually begin to slow down even before I sit down to have the food. Uh, but by, but the way I sit down and go after it, go or sit down to eat the food, how notice bringing to mind how I'm feeling, how I'm thinking before I eat, what I what I did to deserve this, where this food is coming from, mm -hmm. and that puts, itself puts you in charge. So you mentioned Mitzrayim means Mitzah, right? God said to the Jewish people, "Why are you slaves to Pharaoh? You should be my slave." Meaning, why are you serving a servant? Mm. Serve the master. Well, if you're depending on the food for your happiness, for your, for your mood, for your... Yeah. You're becoming a servant to a servant. You should never be a servant to a servant. Only to the master of the universe. Powerful. Yeah, I remember somebody somebody screamed one time, I need food. Otherwise, I don't have energy to do anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, like, there's a tendency women clean up their house because the cleaning lady is coming. <laughs> what? So wait a minute. Who's, who's the cleaning lady and who's the master of the house? You know, that they can't, you know, they don't want the cleaning lady to come in and think that the house is a mess and it looks bad. So you're you're serving the servant. That's hilarious. I had not heard of that. Oh, yeah, it's very common. <laughs> they don't want him to over to have to clean such a big mess. Or, or get the wrong impression that yeah. I can't run a home. <laughs> I can run a home. I just need you to do the little finishing touches. <laughs> But I'm not a schlamazel, you know. <laughs> that's funny. So you end up doing the servant's work for her. That's that's actually funny because um, a friend of mine actually told me once they had a because they had a cleaning lady, and you know how there's two separate beds, 
with, with the couple. And he, so he said the cleaning lady once looked at him like, is there something wrong with this relationship? <laughs> He's like, no, no, it's, it's a Jewish thing. <laughs> I was buying some flowers for Shabbos and I, I couldn't decide which bouquet, you know, the roses or the tulips, I couldn't decide. So I just bought both of them. I come to the checkout counter and the lady says, oh, you're really in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> You have a lot to make up for. What did you do? That's funny. Yeah. Anyway, it's been a pleasure. You too. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening. I hope this episode brought you some really great value. If you enjoyed any of these episodes or would like to hear more, please leave me a review on Apple or Anchor podcast. I'm always looking out for topics to learn and talk about gifts to share, and value to bring to us all. For more updates, please check out SolomonEzra.com. That's S-O-L-O-M-O-N-E-Z-R-A. That's where you can also sign up for newsletters, read about blogs, and hear my different podcasts. Take care.